Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to session four, day four, Kama Family Business Conference. This afternoon, very excited about this conversation. We have Kumbirai Chapadza, founder and CEO of Deutsch Connect, who will be speaking to us about the role of the diaspora in family firms. Welcome, Kumbi. Over to you. Hi, Nike. I hope I said it correctly today. Thank you very much uh, to you and team for such a wonderful conference. I've really been enjoying the Ukama conference for the past couple of days. Uh, to those that are tuning in and to those that shall see, yeah, uh, like Nike said, I'm the founder of Deutsch Connect, which is a German-based uh, startup that links African businesses to the German business ecosystem. We do this through mentorship, German language courses, business-to-business matchmaking, as well as access to market and partnerships. The issue of the diaspora, especially the African diaspora, is an issue that is very important to me, also being part of the diaspora myself. And yeah, just, so just to kick it off, uh, I don't have a presentation per se. I would I'd rather prefer to do it in a, in a chat, more in a chat way. As we know, oh, the, the, the word uh, diaspora comes from Greek, diaspora, which means scattered people. So taking it from an African perspective, you will see that there are two main uh, diaspora uh, scattering that happened. Firstly, over 250 years ago, during the slave trade, such a bad time that happened 250 years ago. Then we also have the one that happened uh, post-World World War II, whereby we then had uh, a lot of Africans also going through colonial uh, post-colonial conflict, uh, labor issues, economic hardships, lack of opportunity, so many reasons. So this finds now a very big group within the diaspora. And even up to an extent whereby the African Union has actually recognized the diaspora as the sixth uh, African region. So the diaspora is now also influential in what is happening in Africa. Right. For to kickstart, uh, <laughs> I want to start with something a bit controversial because I'm also part of the diaspora. The number one thing is when you talk about the role of the diaspora, we also need to talk about the relationship between the diaspora and relatives or people back home or in the home country or the country of origin. You find out that there's a lot of mistrust because some monies have been sent, have been abused. Uh, there may have been words that have been exchanged. There may have been uh, others that say, for example, those on the country of origin might say people in the diaspora are doing menial jobs, but the person in the diaspora is saying, but with my menial job, I'm sending you money to take care of you. So I still feel that there is fragmentation between the diaspora and also people in country of origin. I also blame the diaspora also because I think sometimes when people go to the diaspora, they also have a sort of like attitude that they then start having this like when we are here, it's so called here, you know, we become part of where we're staying and act as if we forget where we came from to the extent that when we go back home, we start 
talking as if we are now visitors and yet we are originally from there so i think these are small things uh, but put in a bigger picture you find that there's fragmentation between the diaspora and the country of origin so you find over the past two years there's been a clamor now for africans in the diaspora or even black people in the diaspora to go back to africa like the initiative that was meant for 2020 which corona also then also uh, cancelled with a l- large population of people but mostly from the americas who were not natural citizens of ghana but people who believed that their ancestors or came from uh, from africa they wanted to go back home so this gives a, a primary indication that people within the diaspora also feel attached to the homeland so there is need for these two entities to work hand in hand so having said this i think that uh, the i want to take it from a context whereby not from a single family business to let's say kumbira chipaza i'm from zimbabwe we have chipaza enterprises in zimbabwe then i go to the diaspora then i say what is my role in the family business rather i would like to see it from a point of view the diaspora is the part of the family and africa is the family business so what does the diaspora bring to the family business in africa the first important thing that i think is the knowledge and skills transfer with so many of our people across the continents I think a lot of people have learned knowledge uh, skills that are different in different spheres I mean we even talk now during the coronavirus we have Africans that have been at the heights of the fight in terms of getting the vaccinations in, in terms of finding solutions which is which is amazing and which is surprising so imagine this is knowledge and skills that they have learned uh, within the diaspora that if used back in the family business in Africa can take the business to the next level not only knowledge and skills i also believe that partnerships with research institutions with universities with all the um, the ecosystem that is involved uh, within uh, learning can then put a better mechanism whereby young people in Africa can already be taught so much not exactly like our education system whereby people are being taught things that they will not use in a practical life more taught in terms of skills innovations that they can be able then to use tomorrow so second that was the first point in terms of knowledge and skills transfer secondly i would like to talk about uh, investment in terms of the diaspora investing in africa as opposed to foreign direct investment so here the diaspora is the son investing in his father's business africa people in the diaspora it has been shown that usually have more savings or have more access to money as opposed to the majority in the country of origin so this makes them like now what is happening we have a lot of funds that uh, investment funds that have been raised by different uh, countries i know in kenya they have what they call adam i also know that they the, the remit fund which is more focused to, towards uh, social investment and there are also remittance funds that are, are happening across the world people are also doing crowdfunding their investment pools whereby people in the diaspora are making all these pools of money then investing in their country of origin or in projects in the continent this is good and all good but again it needs to be invested with the right partners in the country of origin meaning that family governance issues need to be addressed and also ownership needs to be addressed within these uh, new entities one thing i wanted to point as well because i also like practical examples in germany they've got a project called the we do project whereby 
Africans uh, in Germany, in selected countries like Ghana, Kenya, Cameroon, if, for example, I have 1,500 euro, then my sister Nike, uh, we both come from Kenya, then Nike has 1,500 euro, that's 3,000. The German government will match that 3,000 with another 3,000 to give Nike to invest in a business. So this is actually happening. Right now with the corona situation, what they've now done, I can write down Nike's name and her business, what she's doing. She can then be vetted in the country of origin and she can get 2,500 for her business. So these are foreigners who are doing this remittance project for us. So imagine if now we start pulling uh, resources together because, for example, uh, the people in Nigeria, 2016, uh, they sent... Uh, there was 39 billion that was sent from the diaspora uh, across Africa, of which two-thirds of that went into Nigeria. So imagine if this... And the problem is that most of this money goes towards consumption. If this money goes towards investment, if this money goes towards infrastructure development, if this money goes towards businesses, then we, we, we don't need uh, donors. We can solve our problems alone as Africans. Thirdly, the role of the diaspora in the family business is also to engage private sector, to engage the government through business to business matchmaking between the private sector in the country of origin as well as in the diaspora. Uh, to create market linkages, to create supply chains, to create, to cultivate relationships and global networks. For me, this is a very essential part because there is that thing when people are in the diaspora, you know, you, it's, you, are, you have easier access to ministers in your home country. You have easier access to decision makers in your home country. Don't ask me how, but it's just it's something I've also learned myself. Yeah. So that influence means that although the diaspora is not in, involved in the political happenings in the home country, but then you are also changing legislation. You're also assisting in making new laws that benefit the country where you're coming from. For example, in most African countries at the moment, they now have laws and uh, legislation that assist diaspora remittances. I know currently I was just watching uh, the vice president of Nigeria was talking about the CBM pro project in terms of uh, remittances, um, incentivizing those people that are sending uh, remittance money back home. So you could actually, as a diaspora child, be able to influence policy in your country as well. Lastly, I would, uh, my, my four key point would be you are the cheerleader. You are the head of marketing for the family business. So much uh, stories of Africa, they always have that photo of that African woman one who's half-dressed with a child that is, doesn't have any clothing in a very deserted place in Africa, showing Africa as a poverty-ridden business. True, we have a lot of poverty in Africa, but we also have a lot of good stories. We also have a lot of entrepreneurs, startups, and innovators ac across the continent who are doing great things. So in my opinion, the people in the diaspora, instead of speaking ill of your family business, Africa, speak truth to power. What is good? What is bad? How can we improve? I mean, in my own uh, view, we've started with a couple of friends uh, from Kenya, but based in Germany. We have a show called Innovate for Africa, where we showcase innovative African startups from across the continent for free. This is just to highlight, celebrate and showcase young Africans who are doing great things during the coronavirus. So that when we speak to other people, let's not speak ill of where we come from, but let us be the cheerleaders. Let us be the ones 
that shift focus, uh, shift the talk and about where we come from. So for me, these are the key points. Nike, if you want to join in, you can now. But I also wanted to give, uh, I have two examples uh, of different countries that maybe I might want to talk about. But yeah, just if there's a question or anything, I, I feel like I've talked too much. No, that's been excellent. Um, I wanted to pick your brains a little bit on um, the family businesses set up by those in the diaspora. What has that landscape been looking like? Do they need support? What bridges, if they do need support, could there be support rendered from the continents? Just to unpack a little bit more about the diaspora and community of family business owners. Uh, Are you referring to the family businesses in the diaspora or that they've set up back home? So the family business, the fam, the business community in the diaspora. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, one key thing that I, I would like to applaud about the uh, family businesses that have been set up in the diaspora that I've seen is also the fact that they also then employ others within their own nationality or other. Let's say if they're Africans, they also find uh, employ uh, other Africans. Hopefully, they are not exploiting these workers. They're paying them uh, fame, fame money and everything. But what I've realized is that uh, where we now differ with uh, Europeans or with other cultures is that the, second, the next generation still, what's happening on the continent is the same as what's happening in the diaspora. Uh, the child, the second generation, is not interested in the family business. He's more interested in uh, doing, becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or being innovative, because generally our family businesses at this stage are not at the top of the shelf. We are still, maybe I have an African shop, maybe I have a restaurant, but not the classiest, or maybe I have a saloon, you know. So we are still at the bottom of the pile. So when my child is envisaging their own future, they don't see the future attached to the family business. So I think they, you guys still need work from a family, uh, African family firms as well in terms to school, both the myself and our children in terms of the values, in terms of the stability that it brings to have things within the family, as well as the long-term vision that the children must also know that this is not just uh, for today. It's also important... It differs. Are you first generation diaspora? Are you second generation? Because if you're first generation, then most probably you don't have a, a, a business that is uh, that has gone. It's still early stage. Maybe if a second generation diaspora, then we are talking about uh, businesses maybe that you are hundred thousand plus. There may be third generation. That's when you're talking about millions. I mean, it's always easy for you to make money in your own country than to make money in the diaspora, according to me. Though. Yeah, just just following on from that last comment, it's always easier for you to make money in your home country than it is as an immigrant. Um, so do you see scope for those in the diaspora to, to invest in businesses on the continent or to do business whilst off continent on the continent? Well, Amazon does business in Africa and they're not in Africa. So... I mean that 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 shows you that it's it's possible if the systems are in place. The problem that we had, and that's why I think uh, an organization of, uh, such as yours, because you are really important to everyone. You are the glue in the ecosystem. People from time immemorial have been sending money, starting businesses on the continent from the diaspora. And okay, I might be wrong, but uh, well, let me not put percentage, but majority have flocked these businesses. 
they have flopped because people uh, on the condo that uh, in the country of origin have failed to have mismanaged the businesses have eaten uh, the money from the businesses have sold the businesses so many things but the blame is not alone on the person on the in the country of origin i am buying buses here in germany i'm buying the second hand buses in germany the, the ones the germans don't, don't, don't want and i'm sending them to zimbabwe to shani where i come from with the roads and i want the bus to go to berengwa where my grandmother lives where there is no road so how long do you think that bus is going to last number one number two my young brother kudzai he never did a minute of business management in his life he's been an athlete then i've sent him five buses all of a sudden he's now the owner of buses <laughs> the next thing is going to is going to is going to get a second wife you know so this these are the problems we are putting our money uh, in the wrong in the yes it can be a family business but how do we empower the people that we are managing our businesses so i think with what mm. you guys are doing i mean we they are also now consultants i know of people whereby they can tell you are you in the diaspora okay mm -hmm. uh, do you want to start uh, are you do you want to do farming you don't have land okay we have people that can farm for you you pay them such an um, amount of money we do the whole work for you we are working for you the company is two years then at the end of the month we can give your mother your family if you want us to give them 200 us dollars every month we do that these are proper management firms that are doing this now so then the question would be is this still a family business you know in that way now in terms of uh, how the company is being run but i think that there was the main problem whereby people mm -hmm are investing back on the continent but they are investing with the wrong people who are not mm -hmm. supposed to be heading those business because you can't take someone who has never done business or started business or understand business then expect them to run a business successfully it's, it mm -hmm. doesn't I, I completely completely agree with you you mentioned that um a lot of those that come to the diaspora um are not very interested in coming back to the family business because it, it might not meet you know the mark in terms of what have you um do you foresee that they have a role to play in the family business um having been out in the diaspora um and even if they stay in the diaspora so i'll give you a picture first generation founder based in ghana sends his daughter to new york she's studying i don't know law business management or what have you and she decides to stay back in in, in new york does she have a role to play in the family business um and if so what's that yeah uh, that's a good question uh, I, I okay i don't know much about family businesses but what i would like to say be, you don't become part of the to me according you don't become part of a business just because you're my child you need to have skill a skill set so the, i would answer you to say if the child in new york has some business skill set entrepreneurship skills then yes we'll be able to to use those skill set within the okay what what is our business what is the first generation uh, business being done in ghana for example i'm asking construction okay so i'm in new york okay <laughs> okay i'm a daughter for now i'm the daughter i'm in new york yeah mm -hmm. so the next thing that i need to look for is cheaper faster more reliable ways to do the construction where there's now new innovations so does in new york do i know people or in america do i know people or maybe my my friend she's from china or my friend uh he's from russia uh do they have late i know like for example now in east europe there are a lot of new innovations for construction cheaper faster more reliable you know 
So th- that's, that's the kind of role that she then can play, not necessarily on a day-to-day basis, but she can also then be like a networker, creating new networks, creating new partnerships for the business. Yeah, that's that would be my take. I agree with you. Social capital is a huge piece to yeah. what keeps family business enduring, and it's often neglected. Um, and particularly those that are offshore, um, you find that they're probably we get more inquiries from next gens in the diaspora than we get from next gens on the continent. So there's a huge opportunity for them to network with one another um, offshore um, and build relevant networks and, like you said, become like an innovation strategic person and look out for new technologies, new ways of doing all things and um, what have you. And just thinking through, um, you're on the other side of the pond and we're here on continents. Um, what do you think we as an organization should be doing to foster greater linkages between the diaspora and family businesses on the continent? I think uh, the first thing is that the, the, there is funding in the diaspora, whether be it from Kumbirai, whether be it from my bank, whether it be it from Zimbabweans in Germany, Nigerians in Germany, uh, there are so there's so much money in the diaspora. What you as an organization could be able to do is take our money and put it in safe companies, family businesses, where we then have shares in those businesses. We then our money is solid. The, I think the most important thing of which this is not just about business, about family business, but about business, it's trust. The issue of trust is very, very important. I'm, I've just come from a, from an event I was doing in Nigeria for the first time. Uh, we were talking about business opportunities in Germany. And I did a, a good presentation. I finished. I sent them all our details. And this guy asked me, said, look, we don't even know you. How do we even know you you're for, for real? You know, I was offended. But later on, I realized, because he said there are a lot of people scamming us. But, oh, you know, yeah. the amount of effort I'm putting, I'm putting my website there, I'm putting my link. So I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to say, so you think I did all these things just to scam you? But I'm sure people do that, you know. So because of the lack of trust, we need organizations like yourselves who have a reputation on the continent and also have a network in the diaspora. Put the two, ta- two teams on the table, the family businesses in Africa and people within the diaspora. Trust me, uh, people, I think the majority of people, if, if they're honest, those are in the diaspora, would rather be staying back home. Mm. But because of economic uh, issues, because of maybe political issues, they're not there. But home is always best. So that is why you find a lot of people want to invest back home. But sometimes they cannot invest because of the they don't have way to invest in or people to trust with their investments. So that's that's why you find it's also important to have devolution of power, because mm-hmm. you find in Africa a lot of power is centralized within the governments. So it's difficult to invest in those countries because people don't know what the law tomorrow is going to change. Like I heard uh, Andrea speaking the other day about a given example in Germany where we have 16 provinces and there's so much uh, decentralization, devolution of power that you find a billion dollar business in a small village. You know, Mm. this is very, this can be done in, imagine Africa, the majority of Africa is in rural areas. We have land, we have agriculture. There's so much that can be done. If we need evolution and the money, the knowledge and the skills, the infrastructure, we have it in the diaspora. It mm-hmm. just needs an organization like yourselves to get the parties together and formulate things. 
Your point about low trust is so apt and it's a key challenge on the continent. Um, and it really prevents family businesses from being able to expand as quickly as they can, being able to meet potential that they can. Um, I wanted to know your thoughts on what kind of collaborations can we see in this space in terms of whether it's on the diasporan side or over on the African side to see that we see stronger bridges between the diaspora and Africa? Okay. I think it's also about visibility and credibility. Such a conference, a lot of people have met, I've met a lot of people as well, you know, people exchanging ideas, getting to know other people, what they're doing. You are creating a community. You're creating a community that it's now easier uh, to then communicate further, even after the, the conference. But what needs to be done, you know, I also believe, uh, maybe I'm being a bit German as well, in talking directly. So we need to have more delegation trips in terms of getting the diaspora coming, not even going, let's say I'm from Zimbabwe. I don't need to go to Zimbabwe. What about I go to Nigeria? and see the family businesses in Nigeria. We organize a diaspora trip to Nigeria, or we organize a diaspora trip to Kenya, or maybe African family businesses come to, to Berlin, or they go to Geneva, or to London, or to New York, you know, that kind of thing. Then they, they see what the family businesses in the diaspora are doing, and vice versa. So already you're creating a community, a culture. Trust is not uh, overnight. It's built over a long time. And also need to touch someone's hand and have a firm handshake for you to be able to for you to be able to trust that person as well. So I think that is also very important. Creating these networks that you guys are already doing it's a step in the in the right direction as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, it's not just yeah, like you said about growing off the continent from those on the continent growing off the continent to see what their counterparts are doing but also within the continent we have poor connectivity on the continent poor levels of intra-african trade um, and intra-african investment and we can do a lot more to support one another firstly from even inquiring and visiting and knowing what's on the ground in the business communities and that's why we're very passionate about the community that we are building um, to promote more networking and connectivity. Mm-hmm. Just to add to that, uh, I mean, you talk about intra-Africa. We now have uh, AFTA, which has now been born. I mean, <laughs> we mm-hmm. are the largest single market in the world or going to be when things start happening. So it means the possibilities for Africa are endless, you know. Uh, it's the because of the tra- the the situation that we have the problems that we have we only we need solutions and solutions we can do them because we now have knowledge and skills you know people have been first generation second generation in the diaspora leading in actual other big companies across the world and all these people need to come to the table and develop where they came from as well one thing that i like about the diaspora that i wanted to add is that when i'm in Germany, for example, when Germans see me, they don't see a Zimbabwean. They see an African. The majority of people think that probably we're actually one country. Yeah, it's true. That's how. So, okay, you might say they are naive or they're ignorant, but it's good because then it makes me become part of a bigger country okay. than if I was called a Zimbabwean. So, find out. However, I have friends from Nigeria, friends from Ivory Coast. When we see each other, we don't see each other by country. We're just Africans, you know. So that means that the passion, the drive, 
the togetherness i always call ubuntu mm-hmm. or pamoja spirit of togetherness that you find in the diaspora is stronger than we when we're in the continent where we're given 55 different borders you know by people that were not ourselves so we need this is one takeaway we can bring from the diaspora to say look you know the truth that when they see you you're not a nigerian you're not a ghanaian you're not a zimbabwean you're just an african so let's take this whole spirit and invest on the continent Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's excellent. You mentioned a need for mentorship. Can you elaborate more on that? Sorry? You mentioned earlier when you were talking about um, one of the weaknesses of historically people sending money from the diaspora to the, to the continent and investing in their brothers that don't necessarily have the skills to run a certain type of business, um, that's a, that there's a huge need for mentorship. Can you just speak a bit more to that? Uh, okay. Don't blame me if I sound as if now I'm going to advertise my business. But anyway, (laughs) it's something that uh, we did realize maybe 10, 20 years ago that mentorship is necessary in every sphere of life, not just for the pastors in church or not just for the football players, but everywhere in life, you need a mentor for every stage of your life. So we need mentorship for entrepreneurs. I'll I'll, I'll just continue on on entrepreneurs because that's my field. Our entrepreneurs need to be taught from an early age uh, what is right, what is wrong. They need to be taught by someone who has failed. They need to be taught by someone who has also succeeded. You know, walk the talk with them. So what I've come up with uh, is an idea whereby we want to mentor young entrepreneurs on the continent, but being mentored by mentors in the diaspora. Why? I talked to you about that money issue, the funding, funding that everyone on the continent wants. What mentorship brings is a relationship. And one of the the things that you can derive from mentorship is that no normal mentor wants their mentee to fail. Uh, Currently, I'm I'm mentoring a young man from uh, from Ghana who's doing a mushroom uh, project through Impact Mentorship Program. Sometimes I don't sleep at night. It's like my son, me, because I need to think, so how can we solve problems in his business? I have never met this guy. I have never met him in person. We, are, we have no relation. But already I'm invested in his business because I'm his mentor. So imagine we now take so many of the people that you're talking about that have knowledge and skills within the diaspora. Then to each, we are attaching them to mentor, maybe you call them the next gen in businesses or sectors that are similar to what they are doing. You'll find that it's not only the transfer of knowledge and skills, but it will end up being transfer as well of uh, machinery, uh, transfer of investment. So these are things that I think are very important. This is one way that we can catch them young, mm-hmm. groom our young people in the right way, but also groom them and network them with the right people as well, decision makers. I mean, we always say, it's a never-ending story. Your network is your net worth. It's not a lie. It's very, very important because sometimes it's not... Uh, sometimes I know we, we call it... What's the word we call it? Nepotism. Mm-hmm. But it's the reality of life. If I know you, Nike, <laughs> and it's then... So you, yes. If you call me, uh, then you say, no, uh, your daughter is looking for a job, this and that. I'll make a plan, you know, because that those are relationships and relationships take time to build. So we mm-hmm. need grow a network but not just any network a network of decision makers a network of people with knowledge and skills a network with people with passion to build the continent mm-hmm. so yeah mentorship and i'm intrigued do you think that businesses in the diaspora have particular needs or have particular challenges that those on the continent don't face 
Sorry, I didn't, I didn't quite get you. I said, for business owners that are yeah. in the diaspora, are there any particular or peculiar challenges that you face that on the continent business owners do not face? Uh, obviously. <laughs> in, its, yeah. in, in, in its own place, there are, there are difficulties attached. I mean, you know, one of the reasons uh, why there are diaspora family businesses, it's actually because of discrimination. Mm -hmm. It's actually because of glass ceilings, where you find discrimination in the sense that maybe you're qualified, uh, then, but you can't get a job mm -hmm. in, in the field that you're qualified. Uh, maybe there's a glass ceiling to say Africans can only get to this point. I know what I'm saying might be controversial to some people, but I, I speak the truth, you know. Mm -hmm. So then you find maybe discrimination in the sense that the food that you want to eat as Africans is not there. No one is selling it. Or maybe the hairstyles that you want as women, no one is doing them, mm -hmm. you know, in that area. So this leads people to start doing businesses. Or maybe it's a logistics business. No one is sending things from uh, Nigeria to where we are, or we want to send things back home, you know. So these are things, and the glass ceiling, whereby maybe I came to to here because of political persecution, and back home I was a man, I was at management level, but now I'm in the diaspora. It's a new place. You need to start from the bottom, so you get the job that is at the bottom. Maybe you're now 40 years. You're thinking. <laughs> How long is it going to take me to get to where I was in my country? So what do you think? But I know, but I, I, I'm, I'm entrepreneurial. I used to have a small shop. I used to do this. So you find people now doing businesses. But now the problems that you face, particularly in the diaspora as an African business as well, the lack of funding, like we talked about as well, it's not easy for them to give you as much money or your own people, Africans, might not want even to buy from you, you mm -hmm. know. Or there's an issue of acceptance whereby do they trust you for a, per a person of color to be mm -hmm. able to take quality products, you know. You are a new business. There are other, I'm talking about a country like Germany where mm -hmm. you have people business for 400 years. So why why should they buy from you? What, what's new about you? So those are the kind of challenges that might be in the diaspora as compared more to, but I think they are more in terms of just plain systematic discrimination mm -hmm. above all. Yeah. And do you think the failure of, or, or well, the lack of multi-generational businesses in Africa is because we're failing to showcase the right examples or we're failing to learn from the right examples? Uh, I actually think we are failing to train our people because uh, over the past three days, I've been listening to different experts and I was shocked. You know, I remember there was the, I'm sorry, I forgot the name, uh, but he, I think he's a, he's a doctor in Kenya, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Yes, he That's talked about... On day yes. one? Yes, he talked, he said, uh, you should shape your business to the aspirations of the successor. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, in, in church, when someone says, and everyone says word, word, you know. So I'm thinking, uh, I've got a business, Deutsche Connect. Am I shaping it uh, for Tinotenda and David, my children? No, I'm not. I'm shaping it for me. I'm thinking of me. And somehow, as Africans, I think we, we don't believe in dying. We don't prepare for death. We don't prepare for eventualities. Is my wife in my business? No, she's she's doing her own thing, you know. So it's all about me, you know. And I don't know in other countries, but in it's uh, in Zimbabwe, <laughs> there is this myth that it, it and it happens with people that own buses. Usually, when the bus owner dies, the company dies. Mm. So we say that he was using juju. Mm. He was yeah. using juju. So the juju died for him. 
So now, when I was listening during the whole conference, now I believe that there's no juju there. It's, not. it's just failure to for a succession plan. You know, this is the same thing we do in our politics in Africa. There's no succession in politics. There's no succession in business. So I don't think it's lack of uh, us having uh, role models that have made, made it in business, but it's actually the training. And I think the training is more on the first generation founder that they should know that they're going to die or they're mm. going to be incapacitated at some time and they mm. need to train people from a young age you know you most of the europeans even when i'm back home in zimbabwe we, the ones we went to school with the, the white guys we went to school with you know during the holidays if his father was at a farm they would work on the farm you know and you would start from the bottom at the farm or maybe you would go and work for his father's friend and mm. you'd be joking ah, but these guys have got a farm you are busy trying to drive your father's car and your father is a nobody but these guys are bigger than you five times bigger but he's busy even to college you would concentrate just agriculture agriculture that is succession we yes. never knew it like that we used to think ah he's dull he's only mm. about agriculture yeah, i'm mm. going to be a doctor i'm going to be a lawyer you are so it's a mindset, uh, Nikki. I don't think you guys are going to do it over this conference or the next one. It's <laughs> something that will take a long time, but you're on the right direction. So I think it's a mindset that needs a shift in the mindset that needs to happen. And I think that um, line that Dr. Peter, I believe is his name, said also has a different dimension. So yeah. it's designing it to the aspiration of the successors, which are owners, which will be your children, but also the leaders in the business. Sometimes it's non-family staff. So what value, what appeals to them? What kind of a culture appeals to them? What kind of work environment appeals to them? Are you incentivizing them in that kind of an environment? Um, and it was um, Nguyen that mentioned yesterday that a lot of family businesses underpay they pay minimum wage, but we all know that minimum wage in Africa is nothing to live by. Um, we don't incentivize well enough. We don't create a, a, a conducive culture where we'll attract and retain talent. So I think this is something that we really need to think about. That one line um, has been reverberating in my head all through for the last four days as well. Yeah. Just to add, uh, I also follow football a lot. So about two weeks ago, there was this... Uh, there was a breakaway Super League that was trying to happen in, in, in Europe, you know, when uh, the big six in England uh, and the big 12 clubs in Europe, they wanted to start a new league, a Super League. You know, the outcry that came from England was too much that they had to change, you know, to reverse. And there'd been four billion that they already set aside for this. The, now the, the founders, now the owners of these clubs are people who have bought these clubs that used to belong to the community. So for me, the community is the family. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The German top clubs like Bayern Munich, which is one of the biggest clubs in Europe, Borussia Dortmund, they refused to be part of that league. Why? Because in Germany still, 51% of the club is owned by the community. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's dug. So when I was now looking at family firms, this was something that was big. You know, to say ownership goes a long way because most of these British clubs now are being owned by people from Russia, China, who don't have the same values, who don't have the same, you know, but it's now it's now their club. They can do as they want. But yeah. the Germans have been consistent to say no single person can own more than the community. Mm -hmm. So you find now that that has gone over generations. That's why we talk about the German Mittelstand as being mm -hmm. something that is uh, at the top of the pile when you talk about family businesses, where you have a company like Mesk that's been there 
uh, for the past 450 years, you know. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a small thing. It's actually values, culture are very, very important for community and family businesses as well. And you can see that here, the, um, what was critical is the support of the regulator and government and understanding the importance of family firms and then designing a regulatory framework around that to ensure that, you know, um, we create this environment in which they thrive. And we need to do so much more work on the continent in terms of shining a light on the importance of family firms, their prevalence, the conditions under which they will thrive and to push our government so it's top of mind. Um, that you support a family business, you support an ecosystem, you support a community. It's not just about that founder. It's really, there's a whole community and ecosystem behind him or her. But I also think we could spend the next 200 years trying to convince our, our governments. It's more important to convince the African Union. It's more mm -hmm. important to take it from a diaspora, from a family, so that you don't go and target Nigeria or Kenya and then they take a long time to... We need to do this as one body, as African family business across the board. This is what needs to be done because that is the quicker way to change legislation. And trust me, we don't want to lie, uh, especially if the diaspora is so involved because all these leaders, they know that they need foreign direct investment and they need forex that is coming from the diaspora. So that mm -hmm. is how diaspora can also be able to assist in changing policy, in changing legislation within the whole Africa context. Because at the end of the day, a lot of money that is coming uh, from the diaspora is even more than the GDP of most countries in Africa itself. Excellent. So we have one last question here. What is the percentage of those in the diaspora that are in businesses as family businesses? Do you know? No, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't know. What I do know for Germany, for example, is that, uh, I mean, Germany is built around family business. 20% uh, of the German popular, of, of startups or business that have been started in the past five years uh, are started uh, by migrants, which is a very substantial number. Uh, the day before yesterday, they also put out uh, where they showed that the leading companies or the leading startups within the whole coronavirus were actually migrant-led. You know, just showing the power of diaspora as well, because someone in the diaspora is usually hungrier than because they're not at home. So they are not there to relax. They there to work and work hard, innovative. How do I take? How do I invest back? So you find that is very important that you find. I mean, anywhere in the world, even the German country itself was built by migrants. America was built by migrants, you know. So most countries, uh, it's always the migrants, it's always the diaspora people that are putting more effort there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kumbi. If anyone would like to connect with you, get hold of you, how best can they reach you? Uh, I mean, you guys have my email address, uh, but I'm also on uh, LinkedIn. They can always yeah, find me via, via LinkedIn as well. Yes. Um, Angelina says, excellent, great job. Thank you so much. This has been really Thank exciting. You. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for what a wonderful conference we've had. I mean, uh, next year we definitely need to have this in person. We, in person. Corona, corona is gone. We, we need gone. to keep Corona and we need to meet all these wonderful speakers in one in one great place. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Bye.